I want to thank God for those who are worshiping with us online. I know that certain members of our congregation would, uh, are still online. We are gradually winding down the Zoom platform. I think we may not be having it on from next week, but we will always be on Facebook. So if you are not on Facebook, let us know, and uh, we'll find a way to make sure that you stay connected if you are away at any point. But everyone who has been joining us from different parts of the world, different parts of the places, we say thank you. And those of you who are listening to this message after now and hearing my voice, you are also welcome, even though you may be listening to a recorded message. But God bless you right where you are in Jesus' name. Our God has been very good to us, and uh, we must be thankful. It is a good thing. The Bible says it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to praise our God almost high, to tell of his love in the morning and his faithfulness every night. It is a good thing to give thanks. Let us continue to give thanks. And so I want to encourage you to be thankful. And as we continue to look into the things that God has in store for us, I pray that God will help us to take delivery of new testimonies in Jesus' name. So you are welcome to church today. God bless you. We have started a series about two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, we're on the third session, on releasing the power for restful increase. And as you can see the banner, we have covered the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, and we are looking today on patience, but patience for the force of patience in trials. The force of patience in trial. We're going to look at patience generally, but I feel very strongly that God laid on my heart that we should look at patience in trials. I've explained this banner, the picture that it, I'm trying to depict with it, like a journey that you're undertaking and you're going to a destination that God has shown you is a destination of rest. And all these things, you are in a, a vehicle called faith because it is by faith that we walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. So we move by faith. One of our core values as a church is to always act in faith, to always move by faith as God ordains. So we, we walk by faith, we move by faith. But the fact is that faith, the faith journey is fueled by the word of God. But we also must understand that all these essential elements of the word of God are like the fuels that we need to keep that faith journey going. So we need the joy of the Lord. We need the peace of God. And we need the patience that God gives through the spirit. So when we talk about patience generally, we need to understand that patience simply refers to the ability to wait willfully. The ability to wait willfully. Now, it is important to, to, to know what it means in, in, indeed. Because if you look at having an ability to wait, unless God helps you in certain situations, it is not an easy thing. This is why we need to understand some things about patience that will help us to see what God wants us to learn about it at this time. And as I always say with these things, anytime you come to the word of, anytime you come to the, to the uh, house of God, to listen to the word of God, I would encourage you to always allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you again. Even if you are like me, born in church, been in church almost every Sunday, has heard almost everything that can be heard from inside the Bible. I never take for granted 
what God wants to speak part time. Because you see, there are certain things you think you think you have heard or you think you know, but until you allow the Spirit of God to speak to you, then you discover that you have not known as much as you thought you knew. And so, please be open today, and God bless you in Jesus' name. So, patience is the ability to wait willfully, and. This is something that needs God. I want to quickly tell us three things about the patience of God. Three things. The first thing, say with me, God is patient. It is important to know that God is patient. Second Peter chapter 3, from in verse 9, it said, The Lord is not slack. Let's read it together. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, Toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord is not slack. He is not slow, the Bible says in some translations. He is long-suffering or patient or enduring. They all mean the same thing. They can be used in different contexts, but they all mean the same thing. Patience, long-suffering, endurance. He is long-suffering toward us. This this definition of God, you know, we know God is love. We know that God is kind. We know that God is patient. As many things that we know that God is, God tells us those things so that we understand certain things about him. The day I read this scripture again, just a few years ago, after this church started, probably about six years ago now, five years ago, six years ago, I read this scripture again, and I said, something hit me. He said, but God is patient, for he is not slack concerning his promise. And since that day, I lost every right to be impatient by myself. I threw away every right I used to hold on to be impatient with anybody. If God is patient with me, and patient with you, and patient with us all, who am I to now be impatient with a fellow human being that God is patient about? Does it make sense to you? Some things, you, don't, you read some things, you don't really think about it. The Bible says he is long-suffering toward us. Now, of course, that does not give us any room to be unruly to one another or disrespectful to one another or be nonchalant towards one another. That's not what it's about. But it's about what you and I are able to understand that if we understand the attribute of God being patient, we must also be patient with one another. We must also be patient with him and be patient with others. And so it is important for us, particularly if we are trusting God for people to be born again, for salvation of souls. How can you be impatient with the person God is patient with? You have been preaching to them for two years. They are, they, every time you come to them, they tell you, <laughs> get away. <laughs> every time you meet them that Jesus loves you, they say, go and take your Jesus away. But the God you are talking about and the Jesus you are introducing to them is patient with them. So you have no right to lose patience with anybody. So that's the first thing we need to understand about this. Number two, patience is required even in the natural processes of life. You see, this is something that is very important. Patience is required even in the natural processes of life. When you look at the things around you, you want to make a cup of tea. You need to be patient. Otherwise, you will drink cold tea. Like my wife, don't tell her. I, don't, I hate cold tea. If I want to drink tea, I, it's either I drink very hot tea or I drink iced tea. That thing in between, I don't know how people drink it. <laughs> I don't like that at all. It's either it's very hot or very cold. That is tea for me. But you know, if you want to make tea 
or coffee or anything, you want to brew something, you have to give it time. You want to cook, you have to give it time. How many of you have seen that when you are cooking some food and it's all smelling nice, it's not yet fully cooked, and you start to eat it on the fire, it doesn't taste as good as when you allow the thing to simmer and settle down and then you eat it properly. It's exactly how it is. Natural processes of life require us to just... The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're not turning to it, he said there is a time for everything. There is a season for everything. So we must be patient for the time of everything. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says... For God makes everything beautiful in its time. Everything we need in life needs our patience. A woman conceives and is waiting to have a child. She waits for nine full months. Just because she's been waiting for two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, does not mean that because she's now got pregnant and after month four she says, ah, I want it out. No. In fact, if he wants to come out then, we start to pray. We say, no, you stay there, boy or girl or girls or boys or girl and boy, whatever it is. <laughs> we say, you stay there. You've got five more months to go. My sister had her first child at seven months. And uh, when I went to see the baby, I couldn't believe my eyes. The guy's hand was like this. <laughs> He's now 20-something years, 21 years now. So I can't talk about that. His hand and his legs were just the size of my finger. I said, God, you are wonderful. The boy was, I've never seen a human being so small. You didn't even know where to hold him. <laughs> but the boy survived. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we pray for them to have a full form and come out at nine months. Nine months. Because that is the time of life. I'm told that the eagle will give birth to a, will, will, will lay an egg and will sit on it for 35 days. 35 days. Just waiting for that egg to come to fruition because the bird that is coming out of that is not a canary. It's not a small, it's not a small bird. It's a big bird, a mighty bird. The bird of birds is coming out. So it takes time. It takes time. Just our natural processes. So the, the eagle, the mother eagle, waits patiently for it to come. The, the elephant carries her baby for 22 months in the womb. Dogs would have had children about five times over within that period. <laughs> if I have many at a time. <laughs> Dogs don't waste time. That's why they die quickly anyhow. <laughs> oh dear. So if, if there are natural processes of life that we even have to be patient about, then we need to understand that if there is a demand on us being patient spiritually, then it calls for our attention. Because there is a level of patience that is inborn that you must have. But there is another level of patience, which is the third category, that is not natural. It comes by the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we are talking about today. This is the kind of patience that you need in trials. This is the kind of patience that you need as a Christian to maintain your testimony. This is the kind of patience that you need in order to be able to fulfill destiny in God. This is not natural. Galatians 5.22 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit, can I have Galatians 5.22? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Let's go together now again. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And it goes on to talk about things like uh, uh, um, self-control. It talks about goodness, faithfulness talks about gentleness, and it talks about self-control. But the first four is where we're about today. And I've said, 
many times that if we look at the sequence, love is the basis for everything. But we said Romans 14, 17 tells us that the kingdom of God is in, it's not in meat and drink, Romans 14, 17, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we say that the love of God that we have makes us righteous when we accept Jesus Christ. And then by inheritance, we enjoy joy and peace as members of that kingdom. But you see, from long-suffering, everything we need, everything about kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are things that we must manifest to people. They are things that we must manifest of the fruit, starting with patience. We, mu we must be patient with God, and we must be patient with people. So this is the third category of patience. This is God's gift to believers. This is what he uses to help us to have victory over temptations, over tribulations, and over trials. Every time, as believers, we are going through things, we need to ask ourselves, am I going through a temptation? Am I going through a tribulation? Or am I going through a trial? Because your understanding of the three, of what you are going through, helps you to know how to respond. I want to explain the three very quickly. There was a time many years ago, God gave me a revelation on these things, and I was preaching a lot of series on them, and then I don't know why, I just suddenly have not done so in a long time. Because it's so important. Every believer faces temptations. Every believer faces trials. Every believer faces tribulations. Everyone. And each one has a place. Now, the first one, temptation, is brought about by the devil. Many times, the intention of the devil to tempt us is simply to bring us down. Even in the story of Jesus Christ being tempted in Matthew chapter 4, we know his intention was just to bring Jesus down, turn stones to prayer. He wanted him to cast himself off a, a, a high place. He wanted to, him to cast himself off the high temple, and so on and so forth. We read in our Bible reading, Pastor Cephas led us in James chapter 1, from verse 2 to verse 20. We read the whole portion, but we were really just dealing with a few verses there today. To understand what God does with temptation, we can read from James 1, verse 12 to 14. He said, blessed is the man who endures temptation, who is patient in temptation. Now, if you read the Bible, you will see there are times the Bible says endure temptation. The Bible will say in some other place, flee youthful lusts. So you need to understand the balance. There are certain things that you, you come across and you don't endure it. You don't wait. You don't try to just be patient with God in it. You flee it. It comes to you like Joseph did. It came at a blow. He fled. That is what you do with that kind of temptation. But there are certain temptations that you can't flee. Let's say, for example, somebody is in your workplace and it makes life difficult for you every day. And he's tempting you to get into a, a brawl with them. Will you flee that one? If you flee, I will chase you back there. <laughs> you can't flee because that is your territory. That is where God has put you to. Unless God has another work for you. If God has given you another job and has, and has told you to move on, that's it. But as long as God says you should be working in that place, you are not fleeing anywhere. <laughs> you have to enjoy it. And yet, these are the things. If the person will be tempting you, pulling your nerves. I've been in such places. In fact, I still work with some, some people like that till this time. Where they, they, they would tempt you every time to just want to give it back to them because they are just, they, they pick on you and just want to head, headbutt you. That's what we, the words we use. They want to really just headbutt you and get into a fight with you. Or they try to speak bad about you or something. 
that will want you to make, that will want to tempt you with either your, your, your pride of life or your lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes. Some members of the opposite sex tempt people in the workplace. And they're there persistently, persistently insisting on things that you did not want to do with them. But they're there persistently, persistently, much more on our ladies than, than men. But it happens to everybody, really. Now, you don't flee from the workplace because of that. Of course, you flee the advances, but you don't flee from the workplace because of that. But the Bible says, let's go back to James 1.12. There is a blessing when you learn how to endure such temptation. Because like Joseph, when you are approved, you will receive your crown. That's the paraphrase of that verse. So the devil brought it to bring you down. But God knows that that is the temptation that will, if you pass it, will approve you to receive the crown of life. Both in this life and in the life which is to come. The Bible says God has promised it to those who love him. Joseph said, I cannot do this thing against my God and sin against my God. A proof of his love for God. That is what got Joseph to the, to the throne. That is what got Joseph to the palace and the throne. For when he has been approved, he will receive it. When he met his brothers later on, remember, the Bible says that he told his brothers, when the brothers thought that he was going to kill them, he said, you guys meant it for evil, but my God has turned it around for good. So the devil may think that he's tempting you and you need to understand how to be patient in certain temptations that the devil may think he's bringing your way. But what God is saying is that he is allowing it because there is an approval that you are going through and it's not going to come by trials. It's not going to come by tribulations. It's not going to come by your excellence. It's going to come by your surviving that temptation. So we need to understand it. Because, you see, many times we go on and we say, Lord, promote me, take me to the next level, increase my lot, and all those things we say, which is very good. And God is saying, okay, you want me to promote you for the next one month. This is the temptation you'll be facing every day. If you pass it, you are promoted. Many of us will be binding and losing and binding. Meanwhile, all God is saying is, just stay, demonstrate your love for me, because there is an approval at the end of it, that when you come through it, you'll get that approval, and then you receive the crown of life. The Bible says... God does not tempt anyone, verse 13. He said, let no one say when he's tempted that God is tempting me. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot, somebody say God cannot, be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So I've chosen those words carefully. God allows temptation, but he himself does not tempt anyone. Verse 14. Now when a temptation comes, this is something that every one of us must learn. And what this helps us to do is to check our work of holiness with God. But each one, let's read it together. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. The devil knows the different things that he can try with people. There are certain things he will not bring the ways of certain people. He will not tempt them with it because he knows that they are, they are dead to those things. But anywhere he notices there's still an element of the old man that may still be strong. He's been killed, but he knows that this, this person is very easily irritated. He gets angry easily. He deals with, he's dealt with anger, 
but he gets angry easily. You can't tempt him with, with fornication, adultery. He has gone past that level. He's dead to those things. But if you touch him very well, <laughs> he will explode. <laughs> That's where he will come. He will not bring any other kind of temptation. And then when the person falls by anger, and he bursts out in, in, in outbursts of wrath, like the Bible says, when the person bursts out like that, what the Bible says is that the person has been drawn away and enticed by his own desire to lash out, his own desire to prove a point, his own desire to want to win an argument. I like something Joel Osteen said the other day. He said, there's no price for winning an argument. Couples, you and your husband, you and your wife, you argue morning, evening, afternoon, and then you are pulling it. This is my point. That is my point. This is my point. What are you trying to achieve? You want to win? <laughs> Why don't you let the other person win so that there is a... <laughs> but everybody just wants to win because their own desires is to win. And so the whole house is boiling unnecessarily. May God help us all in Jesus' name. So that is about temptation. Tribulation. Now, tribulations and trials I want to explain very well because they're very different from temptation. These two, many times, is God himself that brings them. And we don't understand that. Tribulation is a condition of suffering that God himself allows just so that his sovereignty can be demonstrated and his power in our lives can also be demonstrated. Tribulation is allowed by God to manifest his power in people. Jesus talked about tribulation in John 16, 33. He said, these things have I, have I spoken to you, I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. But do what? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I think this is one of my most quoted verses here, if I'm correct. Because it helps me to understand that when I'm going through a tribulation, I must not stop at the first uh, sentence. I must not stop at the first part of the second sentence. I must not stop at the first part of the second sentence there. In the world, you will have tribulation. I must not stop there. I must go on to the place that says, but I should be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. As long as I can keep my focus on that being of good cheer, I am strengthened in every tribulation. I am strengthened, I am, I am energized, I am refreshed, I feel empowered because I know that there is a tribulation I'm going through but I must continue to be of good cheer because he has overcome. When they saw that man that was blind from birth, the disciples asked in John chapter 9, they said, who, was, who has sinned? Is this, this man or his parents? Jesus said in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned but that what? The works of God should be revealed in him. Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God be revealed in him. Now, this is very difficult to take. The man did nothing. Because in our world, most times when somebody like Job's friends were asking him, you must have done something to God. What did you do? You must have done something. It's a very common thing. When you see somebody going through something, you can't explain. That is why people who are, people who are fetish, and people who are prying on the ignorance of others are making a lot of money from people in telling them that it's something that is worrying them. Do you understand what I'm saying? They go and meet a so-called prophet 
That prophet said, ah, you have a mother-in-law. She's in the village. Of course, everybody that is, that is elderly and comes from our place has a mother-in-law that's in the village. <laughs> she's in the village, and uh, she's, this, 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 she's your problem. And the innocent woman is there, doesn't know anything. <laughs> and the man will be collecting money every day, collecting money, saying that they are doing some things to help ameliorate the situation. Meanwhile, the person is just going through a tribulation. Because there is a tribulation that God allows us to go through. Like that blind man, Jesus said that the works of God should be revealed in him. And if you read the whole story, when the man received his sight, many people were wondering. Many people were asking questions. Many people got to know Jesus just because of his story. Things that could have not happened before. I could say the Samaritan woman is the same. She looked like somebody who was going through a chaotic life until she met Jesus. And then, not only was the light revealed into her life, she went and called everybody from her town and brought them to Jesus. And they also believed. So, we need to understand that there are certain things that we are going through, not because God is punishing us, but ultimately it will work out for good, like Jesus said, but we must go through those things so that there can be a revelation of the goodness of God to our world. This is not the kind of message that you hear in many places nowadays. <laughs> Believers have left this kind of thing. This was the, these were the kind of things they taught us when we were coming into the faith. So that when we now saw tribulation, we were laughing. But you see, many people in these days, they've told them that when you come to Christ, you know, God, God bless you. God bless you. So when the man faces the first tribulation, he says, ah, this is not what I was told. I'm gone. So we see many wishy-washy backsliding Christians today because they don't understand these things. The apostles of old went through tribulations. The Bible says, they, Paul went back to tell them in Acts chapter 15. He said that, look, I'm encouraging you in verse 22. He said, I'm encouraging you all that through much tribulation, you will enter the kingdom of God. We don't preach such things again. Because we're afraid to, to tell people that they will have tribulation. Why are you afraid? Jesus said we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. It's understanding. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. He has overcome. There is no tribulation that will consume you. I said there's no tribulation that will consume you. He said when you pass through the fire, he will be there. He said when you pass through the waters, you will not be consumed. Whatever it is, if it is the flood, if it is the fire, if it is the water, you will not be consumed in the name of Jesus. Stay rest assured. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says for 12 years, she has tried all kinds of physicians. Nothing happened for her. But the day she, met, she heard about Jesus, her story is in Mark chapter 5. The Bible says when she heard about Jesus, she said in her heart, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made well. And she went. And God used that tribulation of her life to prove himself one more time. When Jesus stopped for her, everybody paid attention to her. When Jesus stopped for her, everybody paid attention to her. And Jesus said, virtue left me. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. I don't know what you are going through today. I want you to rededicate it to God. Rededicate your life to God and say, Lord, everything I'm passing. Now, we balance these things. We don't, we don't jump into something. You don't go and do something bad and say you are going through tribulation. That's not what I'm talking about. You don't by yourself... Go and, and, and carry evil and say, <laughs> amen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you praying, loving God, serving God, and yet you cannot explain many things in your life. Believe me, you need to understand. 
My elder brother, my little elder brother, was eight years older than me before he passed on about five years ago. Somebody I learned a lot from in life. He was like a mentor to me. He taught me everything, I would always say. I used to look up to him a lot, very brilliant. He was about to study medicine and uh, in the university, got good grades. And suddenly from nowhere, and we don't know till today, something hit him. And he started having some mental challenges and mental issues. And we battled that virtually for about 20 years in his life before God restored him the last 10 years, even brought him to the pulpit to be a pastor before he eventually passed on. Till today, I can't explain it. But one thing I will tell you is that that experience, that 20-year gap of my life, or that 20-year period of my life, also solidified my faith in God. I was only 15 years old on the campus. They would bring him to me because I just got into the campus. As I've told you my story many times, I was only 15 when I got in, just about to be 16. He was in his early 20s, 23 thereabouts. They'll rush him out of medical class because he's gone crazy, he's disturbing people in the class. And they will come and call me out of my 100-level class in engineering. I'll come and take care of your brother. We were on campus. And I will hold him. And I will say, brother, God bless you. I couldn't even pray much. I couldn't do much then. I just knew everything they taught us from home. And somehow, in that, my littleness and my teenage understanding of what the power of God is, he will come down. I'll say, now go and wait for me in the hostel. Go and sleep on my. He will say he's hearing voices that they can't hear. They're all talking about him. I say, nobody's talking about you. And I'll be crying. I'll send him, go and sleep on my bed. He will go to my hostel, stay in my room. When he's in, on my bed, he'll be at peace. I will go back into my mathematics class, my physics class, <laughs> on <the> level. <laughs> I'll continue my lecture. The, the Holy Spirit told me, he said, son, stay strong. Stay tough. He said, if you sink, your whole family will sink. Never forgot that. I was barely 16. He said, if you sink, your whole family is sink, will sink. 30 years later now, I understand clearly. I understand clearly. So you go through some tribulations you may not know, but God prepares you for higher things. I'm not praying evil for you. Don't look at me like, hi, this man, this thing is hard off today. I'm not praying any evil for you, but I'm just trying to let you know that whatever you are going through now, God has allowed it for a purpose. Stay with God. Be patient with God you will overcome in Jesus' name. And you are coming out better and refined in Jesus' name. I can go on and on, so many examples. Then trials. This is our mainstay today, trials. These are situations of life that God permits so that he can promote us. <laughs> this is another very challenging bit. God permits trials in our lives so that he can promote us. I see them like examinations. You know, the exams you give to people to go from class to class, the exam you give to people to graduate. This is exactly what I see trials in the spirit. James chapter 1 verse 2. Praise the Lord. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Can you read that and understand? Let's read it together, everybody. Let's go now. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall. Into various trials. All those words, I don't know about you, but those words, don't, they don't add up. Joy, falling, trials, how do you add, how do you add the three? They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't add up. Praise the Lord. They don't add up. Joy should be when you are rising and succeeding and victorious. Count it all joy when you are succeeding and you are passing and everything is going well for you. Joy, be joyful, rejoice. 
<laughs> Brother James said, my brethren, count it all joy that there are some kind of trials when you fall into them and there are various ways that they come. He said, just be joyful. Just be joyful. Verse 3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, this is very interesting. Trials give you patience to face more trials, to give you patience, to face more trials, to give you patience, and that is how we will be going till Jesus comes. This is why when you go through a particular kind of trial and your faith, your faith has been tested, there is a level of patience it produces in you. Then God knows that the next level of the assignment is heavier. The next level of your life is more intense. It will bring more challenges your way. The patience you have gathered from the trial before is what you will bring into that now to work with God in order to be able to succeed. The Bible says in verse 4, he said, let's read it together. He said, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is the work of patience. To bring you to that place of perfection. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, be ye perfect as I am your, uh, as, as your heavenly father is perfect. Be ye perfect. But Jesus, uh, the James said, what will give you perfection is the work of faith that produces patience. When you grow it, it let it allow it to do its perfect work so that you may be perfect, lacking nothing. In Psalm 105, we read the story of Joseph as, as reproduced by the servant of God, King David. The Bible says he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Verse, 20, verse 18, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Verse 19, until, read verse 19 with me, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord tested him. God can test. God does not tempt, but he can test. God is always seeking to know where you are because he doesn't want to give you something that will kill you. He doesn't want to give you something that will destroy you. Age 40, he looked at Moses, tested him with two people that were fighting the, the, the Egyptians that were harassing the, 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 the Hebrew. God was watching, testing. Brother Moses went and knocked off the Egyptians. <laughs> Gave him a heavy blow. And the man could not recover again for the rest. He went straight to, to heaven or hell, wherever he died and went to. God said, this one is not ready at all. <laughs> I've told you many times, I've pictured God not arresting Moses at that stage. How he would have just been killing all the <laughs> Israelites, one by one, every day, <laughs> till they got to the promised land. <laughs> the next person that got him angry would just squeeze his neck. <laughs> so God took him <laughs> 40 years. He said, I need to teach this one. <laughs> he is my anointed. <laughs> He's my chosen vessel, but he's not ready. <laughs> and this school that he needs to go is not four years at all. <laughs> the Bible says, even Joseph, 
the, our golden Joseph. You know, you can hardly ever say anything negative about Joseph. Have you ever heard anybody? I've heard some people say maybe he was uh, uh, arrogant or something with his uh, coat of many colors. I said that's human being just trying to. <laughs> Joseph was near perfect. Joseph, you could hardly fault him. <laughs> the Bible says until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Tested his attitude in the pit. Tested first, when they took off his garment. Tested his attitude. He didn't talk. Tested his attitude when they cast him into the pit and it looked like that would be the end of his life. He didn't talk. They brought him out. His own brothers. Listen, friends, your own brothers, if people you don't know sell you, it's not as painful as when your own blood brothers. The people who should protect you, love you, care for you the most. <laughs> it can be the, the, the worst side of pain and betrayal. They tested him. When they were counting the 20 pieces of silver to collect, 20 or 30 pieces of silver to collect, to, to, to sell him off to slavery to Egypt, he was watching. He never said a word. He tested him. He passed that test. Every test he was passing was taking him closer to the throne. He was taking him closer. When he got into Potiphar's house and they said, you will be servant here, the boy of many colors became the chief cleaner in the house. He became the person who was scrubbing the floors and saying, is he cleaner now? They said, no, go back there. That spot there is not good. <laughs> they were, God was watching, testing him, testing him, testing him. How many tests, brethren, are we passing? In even the simple world of education, well, it doesn't happen much these days. When I was young, if you did not pass a class, even if you became 30 years old in that class, <laughs> you are not going anywhere. But nowadays, they allow you to move on with the hope that you will catch up at some point. <laughs> but the reality is that they can pass you through those things, but if you graduate, at the end of the day, what employers want to see is productivity. There is a test that we must pass. Even as a church, I want you to understand that everything we are going through is always a test. God is watching my attitude. He's watching your attitude. He's watching whether I'm really serious about you. He's watching. He's watching me much more than he's watching you, but he's watching you as well, so you are not off the hook. <laughs> We're in it together. He's watching us. What will, he, what will we do if he commits more to us? Because he's wanting to. But until we pass, until we show him that we're demonstrating that we are ready, God does not. The Bible says until his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. So we need the patience of the fruit of the Spirit to continue to endure these tests. And we can go on. Verse 20 said, the king sent and released him. He didn't end there. After he passed the test, the king sent and released him. He was not a complainer. Even when he was lied against, he did not complain. When he was sent to jail, he did not complain. He got to prison. He started cheering everybody up virtually. And God used that to bring him to his throne. He made him the ruler of the people and he made him go free. He made him lord over his house and ruler over his possessions. May God help us to pass every test. In the name of Jesus, may God keep us focused in every test. In the name of Jesus, may God keep us patience in every test. In the name of Jesus, God is always waiting to see that you and I pass because God has next levels for us. He has next levels for us. Even me standing before you, I can tell you categorically, 
I know the times that God has tested me. And I can tell you, I may not have the time today. And somehow, in my own understanding, I saw later on that those things were tests. And God allowing me to come through them. And I know the tests that I'm facing even right now by the grace of God. Recognize the tests and be patient and work with God to pass them. And you will pass them all in Jesus' name. So whilst these three temptations, tribulations, trials are permitted by God, the ultimate goal is that when we rely on the Holy Spirit, we emerge triumphant through them all. None of them are allowed to consume us. So let us work with the Holy Spirit to help us. I'm going to give you three things that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to do in maintaining our patience. We know it's the fruit of his spirit, but three areas where we need to allow him to help us, or three ways we need to help him to help us, or we need to allow him to help us. Of course, there are many ways, but I just want to emphasize these three. The first is that we must keep focus on the joy of the future ahead. Keep your focus on the joy of the future ahead. I always read to you Hebrews 12, 2. Say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set where? Before him. Joy set before him. Endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down. The words endure and despise meant he was patient through every kind of trial endured the cross, despised the shame, and then he got the reward. What do you see? One of the things that we pray here every Sunday is that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Because we need our eyes open. Friends, this is the journey of life. Everyone with a vision or, or, or dream must learn to be patient. You must learn to be patient. Patient with time. Patient with people. People. The devil knows the importance of people. And so he easily uses people to make you lose patience. Keep your focus on the joy ahead. Every good output in this life will usually require time. Everything that will come out nice needs time. Just keep your vision on what is ahead. We didn't know when we were doing this um, stage uh, redecoration. Don't you like it, by the way? Let's give the Lord a big hand. We haven't really celebrated God for this. Thank you all for, for making it happen. It cost very, very good money. Very good money. But we thank God for it. We didn't plan it to be something we will do over the lockdown. We thought one weekend we'll get it done and uh, people will just come back the following Sunday and it would have been done. But do you know this thing took 10 days of work. The thing was that because we weren't coming to church, we didn't know, we didn't feel it as much. 10 days, almost two weeks. One day I went to see, the guys were Polish, very sharp guys. You know, they do a very clean job. If you look at the pattern... It looks as if they, they brought it from a factory and pasted it there. Everything was laid piece by piece. But you know, they, they showed me their, I said, how do you get this line so perfect? Then they showed me the laser that they used. When they pointed to the wall, then I remember what my fathers used to use, the plumb line that we used to use. 
after they have drunk their, <laughs> all those, their strong drink, they will put the plumb line like that. They say it's level. So by the time they build it, all of us inside will be. <laughs> it may be level in their eyes, but what they are seeing is different. So technology has thrown away all those kind of things now. They point the laser to the wall and it draws a perfect line and they check the angle, 180 degrees line, perfect. It's like a robot, it works with them as they are moving, it draws the line. So you can see the line from that place to the other end, consistent, straight, perfect. But it takes time because one day I say, why is this thing taking so much time? They say, come and see what, come and see what we are doing. And then they showed me how they were laying it piece by piece. First, how they put the first background on and how they laid it piece by piece. Then the first quote, the second quote. The third, you can't imagine what has gone in. Anything that will come out good needs time. Keep the picture. All I kept on looking was the picture they showed me of what it will look like. Every day I bring it out as it is what it will look like, okay? <laughs> because every time I was coming here, it wasn't looking like it. When will it happen? And I'll bring out my phone and look at the photo again, then I'm assured. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, who for the joy that was sent before? You need a picture. Listen, friends, the energy you need to make your family what it ought to be is in the picture that you see ahead. The energy we need to make this church what God wants it to be is in the picture that God has shown many times. I have shared with some of you. That is where I get my energy. My energy is not from today. It is way ahead of that day that I see that is much more glorious. Thank God for where we are today. I'm not complaining at all. But much more glorious than where we are and where we have ever been. That picture keeps you going. And I believe it. Use every one of your previous successes to keep fueling your patience towards what you have achieved. Have, has God ever shown you something that came to pass? Have you ever come through a stage of life that you desire to come through and you have come through it and you are now past it? The same way you were patient to reach that is the same way you need to be patient to get to where God wants to take you now. Hallelujah. I remember many years ago when I just met my wife and I used to talk to her and I used to tell her how God was showing me that we're, we're going to go places and I didn't have a car. I didn't even have a house when she met me. I was living in a school hostel. Yes. I was living in a school hostel when she met me and agreed to marry me. Thank God for her faith. Because the person she agreed to marry, she doesn't know by next month whether he will ever be able to rent a house. <laughs> but I'll be telling her, 1992, I'll be telling her that, you know, God is showing me that God is going to take us places. I don't know how, but I'm going to see us. Two years after that, God took me supernaturally, gave me a job. That within two years, God started to take me out of our home country and so many things. Some of you know this story. And God started to perfect those things. Started to perfect. Me that I could not buy a car. I could not even, I, I could not even, I could barely rent a house. God started showing me. By the time we were going for our wedding in 1995, we had official cars, brand new cars. We had a team of people. It looked like it was not us that left the same town where we came to get married just to a year before. I left that town December 1994. By December 1995, when we were getting married, it looked as if it was a different set of people altogether. There are many girls who were envious. You see, all those girls that their head used to be like that. They were now looking at her and they were envious. And I will hold her like that and say, come with me, don't worry. <laughs> All those ones that I will say, sister, how? She say, ooh, you, you. 
But the woman with the vision, you see, <laughs> the woman that could see with me. Today, by the grace of God, there's no country on this planet, to the glory of God, no country on this planet that we want to go that is not just a matter of saying, buy the ticket and let's go. To the glory of God, to the glory of God. And many of it visa-free as well. Hallelujah. Just be patient. The same way God brought us out of that, that is the same fuel I'm using today about this church. Because God cannot show me three times that I struggled to get to where I was supposed to preach in this same church, in this same congregation. Three times. Showed some of the brethren here and they've shared with me. And then I will say that he cannot do it when he has shown me in my own personal life that it cost him nothing. And listen, friends, I don't have time. I can give you vivid examples of how simple God did those transformations in my own life. Just walking, serving God, and then I will sit down. Somebody will come and say something, and that changes everything. The person that came to tell me about this job I'm telling you about, I was sat in my office, in my lecturing office in the, in the town, just waiting for students to, to come and answer some things that I was giving them. This person came from that town. He said, are you David Oloki? I said, yes. He said, we have been sent from Susu town to come and see you that our boss wants to see you. I said, for what? He said, one of your colleagues that you schooled with two years before recommended you for one very key position that we have in our company. I said, for real? He said, yes. No application, nothing. Within a week, I traveled to the place. The man looked at me, interviewed me. The man lives in Canada now. Looked at me, interviewed me. He said, okay, when are you ready to start? As you ready to start, I'm going to tell my polytechnic people that I'm gone. <laughs> so because it was in the middle of the semester, I, I, they allowed me to start, but I was still going to, to, to the campus to teach and round up with them. I never left a job in a very bad way. I always made sure I finished very well. So that happened then. And to come to Wolverhampton, you've heard the story. The same thing. And so for me, I am trying to tell you, friends, it may look like it's taking time. But has God shown you something? If he has not, I pray today that you see it. Yeah. I'm sure he has. It's only that you have not seen it. I pray that you see it. And as you see it, hold on to it. Wait patiently with God. And it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Keep your focus on the joy ahead. It's very important. It's like a sat-nav. When you look at a sat-nav and it tells you London is two hours away. And you get on your motorway and you are driving. As you are moving closer, it tells you the time is reducing. But do you know that there are times you hit a hold up and it looks as if, oh, this is going to end today. And then at times, something has happened somewhere and then all kinds of distractions come in. You need to understand that the same way you can see that you have achieved that journey many times and you came back, is the same way God will help you to arrive at your own destination in Jesus' name. That takes me to point number two. Refuse discouragement. Refuse discouragement. Recognize the agents of discouragement in your life. Delay. Many ladies have rushed into marriage because they felt they were getting old. Oh, they're 30 now, 35. Nobody has come. So anybody next that came, they went with it. Don't do that. Rejection. People will reject you. I'm not prophesying bad to you. I'm helping you. <laughs> People will, not everybody will love you all the days of your life. That's how I grew up too. I thought that was how life is that. People will just be loving you like that. No, some people will love you. After some time, they say, I don't love you again. <laughs> you have to know how to hold yourself and keep refusing discouragement and be patient with God. The devil uses those things easily to make people lose patience. People will criticize you. People will criticize you. 
In seven years of ministry, I have been criticized in many ways, some to my face, some just to my hearing, and some to my imagination, maybe. <laughs> but the reality is that I've been criticized. The, the one I can never forget is the person who said to me, you know, Pastor, I like you, but I don't like the way you preach. I said, the way I preach, I said, well, he said, not the, not the message. He said, but the suit, every time you wear the same kind of suit. I said, my suit. <laughs> That one I will write in Guinness Book of Record. That's the first time I will hear such a thing. My suit. I said, what did my suit do to you? He said, no, you wear the same kind of suit. I said, ah, my suit. <laughs> There's nothing you will not hear. People will criticize you. And you know, people hear such things and they give up. They get impatient, take steps that they shouldn't take. <laughs> Don't give up. Don't give up. Learn how to keep speaking to your soul. David said, why are you cast down? Psalm 42 verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Hope in God. Put your hope in God. It is important that we keep encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 7. Say, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Don't fret. Don't fret. There are many people who are doing ministry today and are going down the ways of quick fixes. No more praying, no more fasting, no more teaching the right word. Just saying things that people want to hear because they want to gather a crowd quickly. Stop doing it. It's ruining the body of Christ. It's ruining the work of the body of Christ. You cannot ruin the body of Christ. But it's ruining the work that we are doing to build the body of Christ. Stop doing it. Stay on the truth. The Bible says there are many people who are bringing wicked schemes to pass. So they make people believe certain things that are not scriptural. They force people to do things. They manipulate people. They tell people lies in the name of prophecies. They do show in the name of gathering people because people like show. People like funfair. People like, you know, socials. So church turns to socials. No more teaching the pure word of God because people like comedy. They even bring comedians who are bringing mockery to the name of their Lord. And they are doing it in the household of God just because they want to gather crowd. Wicked schemes. We have to stop those things. The Bible says, friends, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. They may look to you and call you stupid or foolish for waiting on God. It pays. It pays. Don't rush ahead of him. I am not for time wasting. You know by the grace of God we don't waste time in anything. But I have learned never to run ahead of God. Whatever God says I should do, however he says I should wait, he told me when this church was starting, for example, he said, trust me for the pace. It settled me. He said, don't fret because of him who prospers in his way. Many people compare other people that they started something together at the same time and it looks as if they are prospering. Now some are doing it legitimately but in many cases there are many people who are cutting corners and doing things. You don't have to do it. It doesn't pay off. Hallelujah. Refuse to be discouraged. Refuse to be discouraged. God is on your side. I say remain patient. God is on your side. In the name of Jesus. Close to that. Number three, refuse distractions. And I start to bring this to a close now. Refuse distractions. You need to learn how to overcome your mistakes very quickly. Unless you are not a human being, you will make mistakes. You make mistakes. 
I was tempted to list very recently, as I was coming to my birthday, I was tempted to list all the mistakes I've made in life against the things I've done right. When the list of mistakes was going far, 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 I said, I'm stopping this kind of list. <laughs> the list of mistakes was just going, going, going like that. I said, no, this is a nonsense list. God has forgotten all these mistakes. Because I've made many mistakes. I make mistakes almost every day. Mistakes. I'm not saying that I'm happy or we should just be careless with life. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm doing anything bad. I'm only telling you that if you allow your mistakes to stop you, you have missed the point. Look at what God said about Abraham. This used to amaze me. We all know the story of Abraham. The man that gave Hagar, made Hagar pregnant because his wife pressured him. The man that was almost doubting God to say, is it Eliezer? Remember him? Okay, good. Let's look at what God eventually said about him in Romans chapter 4, verse 20. The Bible says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. I said, how, how can you say in verse 20, Abraham did not waver? This Abraham that Sarah said, go into my maid, Hagar. And the man just went without even any, he just went and did it. And the child came forth. And God said, did not waver. <laughs> this one that openly by himself said to God himself in Genesis 15, he said, ah, I can't see this thing happening again. Is it, is it Eliezer, the one born in my house? And God himself said to him that, you know, he's not the one born in, into your household. He's the one that will come out of your loins. That same God, God said, that this teaches me that God is not, is not concerned with your mistakes. He's not concerned with your fallings. All he's concerned about is your not wavering in unbelief, believing that it will still come to pass. Abraham never ever, even in his errors, he never disbelieved God that his son would come to pass. What he did not know was how. Those were the points of his mistake. And many times, this is what makes us make mistakes. Because we, we, we are trying to figure things out. So we do things. We know God has said it. So we are doing things. And in many cases, we are not hearing God again. We are just using sense knowledge. And so we can fall into error. I'm not using this to encourage you to say, just live your life anyhow. Fall into error as you like. It can be very painful. And some errors can be very, very consequential. You know Ishmael is a big consequence of a big error. We all know. We are all living witnesses. If you go and do a wrong thing in haste, the Bible says, I lay in Zion a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, Isaiah 28. He said, a sure foundation. He that believes it shall not make haste. I think that's verse 15. He that believes it shall not make haste. He that believes it shall not make haste. Don't make haste and make errors. You continue to rely on God. Don't be distracted. People will tell you you are too slow. Don't worry. People will tell you you don't know what you are doing. That is not how it is done again. This, this. Use your messages. If you are a preacher and you are listening to me, people will tell you this, your messages are no more fashionable. People don't want to hear such things. Say what people want to hear because that's the way you, people will come to your church. Stay on course. Stay on course. I was listening to Charles Stanley a couple of days ago. Great servant of God. When those men talk, I don't, I don't, I, I don't do anything else. I listen. 85, 86-year-old man, been in ministry 40 years. 40 years. 
He's been a Christian for over 72 years as a child. Charles Stanley, great, great servant of God. I pray God keeps him to the end. Charles Stanley said, in all my 40 years of ministry, I've never seen God fail once. I say, wow. I say, God, if I've only done seven, and this man has done 40, there is hope. <laughs> he said, I've never seen God fail me once. And I believe him. I believe him. In my own little way, I can tell you, I've never seen God fail once. I have failed him many times. I have run ahead of him sometimes that I didn't know I shouldn't. But he has taught me how to wait on him. And I'm learning by the day. And I'm telling you, my brethren, wait on him. God's plans are perfect. I say his plans are perfect. The Bible says, Abraham did not waver <laughs> at the promise of God through unbelief. So all those things that we call wavering and staggering to God, they were not. What was important to us that he kept on giving glory to God. He kept on believing that God was going to do it. And when God now tested him finally in Genesis 22, that he asked for, this, for Isaac to be sacrificed, we saw his response. That sealed it for God. And God said, now I know. Again, he tests. I close with Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verse 1. Let's read it together. It said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. Wait patiently. Wait patiently. You may be going through a trial, but wait patiently. He's watching. He's not leaving you. We all learn about the mother eagle and how, he trains the, how she trains the eagle to fly. Have you read that story before? Genesis, Deuteronomy 32. It would take her to a high place and drop her down so that the, the, eagle, the eaglet would think that she's falling to the ground. And then suddenly we'll come and pick her up again, pick up the eaglet and take her to high grounds. Very strong bird is taught in a very strong way how to fly in the very strong way. The eagle does not fly like other birds. The eagle flies against the wind. That is why it doesn't fly at the level other birds fly. Somebody said if you are an eagle and you are fighting with crows and pigeons and chickens, you have lost your place. <laughs> If you must be in a discussion, let it be with other eagles. <laughs> Don't come down to the level of chickens. That is ground. <laughs> Have you ever seen a chicken flying over your roof? If you see one, it's not a real chicken. <laughs> if you see one, it's not a real chicken. You are saying, my brother, <laughs> that one should be shot down <laughs> and fried immediately. <laughs> we fry such things immediately. <laughs> I waited patiently. For the Lord, he inclined to me. He heard my cry. He also brought me out. He's going to bring you out. I say he's going to bring you out. Don't think you will be in that horrible pit forever. He's going to bring you out. He said, out of the merry clay and set my feet <laughs> upon a rock and established my steps. That is his plan for you. You think the merry clay is the end. The enemy thinks it's the end. Joseph, Joseph, the enemy thought that that slavery and at the best, the prison was going to be his end. He never knew God had a plan that there was a man who was called the, the, the butler of, of Pharaoh who was going to be released and would be the tool that God was going to use. God is going to deliver you. He will put a new song in your mouth. Stand to your feet.